Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. As we do every single weekday, we will be with you until 3 p.m. And then we hand it off to Willie P. Filling in for Kyle Bailey, who is on vacation. Smoke is not, so we'll give him... Uh, the baton at three o'clock and you can text in, share your thoughts, share your comments as always 704-570-9610. The number is 704-570-9610. The band is in the room together. It's the first time in a long time that all three of us have been in the planet Kia studios at the same time. Because last week, Wes was busy doing ACC Digital Network stuff. You were gone Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. We were all doing a show at the Weston Uptown for ACC kickoff. Mm -hmm. But you would join us for the last hour, and then you would have interviews with the digital network in between then. And then Friday, you were beaching it. And then Monday, we were at Wofford for training camp. So it's been the first time that we've been in the Planet Kia Studios since last Monday, over a week ago. Does it feel weird to finally be back at base camp? Uh, A little bit, yeah. But uh, we're back into the thick of things, so, you know, we're ready to go. And I knew it was a, it was a long time because Fitty just felt a little different. He walked into the fishbowl and he said, Slim, Slim, long time no see. I was like, yeah, I saw you Friday, Fitty. But it is, <laughs> but it, it was a little bit of a difference because we were gone on Monday. It has been hectic, man. It has been crazy what we've been doing the last week, going to ACC kickoff and then going to Wofford. I'm going to be gone this Friday. I have to go to, yep, another wedding, which haven't stopped for me. The weddings haven't stopped for me since, like, as soon as I started doing the rotating guests and then as we launched Wes and Walker. Uh-huh. I just don't know when it's going to stop. We need Wes. you to plan a vacation for you, though. You know oh, this sounds this sounds like my girlfriend talking. Yeah, because <laughs> because she has been she has been kind of pushing me towards like a California vacation. She's been wanting to like do the Pacific Coast, yeah. and wanting to just travel down. Did I mess it Napa. up for you with the pictures and stuff like that? I, you like did. West does it. Well, look, you <laughs> didn't mess it up for me, but you certainly did not help. Okay. Because as you were talking about it, that only, you know what? We should take a vacation and boom. Then she started yeah. to go. Yeah. And it look, it sounds like a lot of fun. It's just always, I don't know how many days I want to take off. And mm-hmm. that's the problem. Yeah. It's just me not winning. It's the consecutive days off for me. I don't mind taking a Friday here and there, but yeah. it's the consecutive days off that always are a little dicey for me. Yeah, you got to do you one a year, though, where you're able to. You know, mm-hmm. take a few days off. But I know Fiddy's going to miss me because, I mean, he can't even go a Monday without seeing me in studio before he said, I miss you, man. <laughs> miss seeing you around. Are we good now, Fiddy? Are you happy that all of us are back in the studio again? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that my microphone still works. 
Why is that? Here we go. Is he going to say know. that he didn't have there enough mic go. time About yesterday? Go yep. ahead. Complain. The first time. <laughs> I didn't hear any of this in the fishbowl, but now that we're over the airwaves, go ahead, Fitty. The floor is yours. Please oh, no. take I the mean, open mic. You know, you, you go to Panthers training camp and you just forget about your producer. Although, <laughs> I'll tell you. Our downloads were as high as they've ever been in a single day in quite some time. So maybe. Really, yesterday was maybe that because I the Panthers. I should just abuse. not talk because maybe when <laughs> I talk, people don't listen. I don't know. How many texters? I think it's 50 50. The Marlowe militia would show up, but also the other half that are very much not a part of the Marlowe militia, <laughs> they would be very happy. So it's going to be dicey. Talk about one polarizing character on this show. It would have mixed reviews. But yeah, I am glad that everybody got to go listen to those Panthers interviews. Jeremy Chin, Tem Lukabu, the outside linebacker coach for the Carolina Panthers, as well as Icky Aquanu. Icky was a fun interview. Got to talk chicken wings. He's a checks guy. And Wes, before we get off the bus, I yeah. did want to mention this because you used to host a food and sports podcast. I feel like show. Icky is fun enough. Show and mm-hmm. not show. Okay. I. It was a podcast, right? Or was it just no, a show on YouTube? It was a YouTube show. Okay, YouTube show. Well, some I apologize. respect on my man's work. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> to all the shows out there for degrading it by calling it a podcast. Your show, I feel like Icky would be about that. Maybe we could do oh, a yeah, trip out to checks. Lit. Yeah, man. Hey, people still ask me about it. I told them it's never uh, finished. It's, it's just on the back burner. It's just been on the back burner. Okay. So a show with Icky... It would be lit. That would be fun, doing the chicken wing contest. Out of work, though. I think all three of us. It, I know Fiddy doesn't want to do the combines and those types of athletic ideas that we have, but I think an eating contest. I think Fiddy would be down for that. I think so, for sure. Especially with checks wings. All right, let's pull up to the scene. We're fat. We're heavy off of chicken wings. What better <laughs> time to open up the doors, Fiddy? Let us off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! of a carryover conversation from last week because of ACC kickoff, but rumors are ramping up that the ACC could lose a couple of their prominent college football programs. Florida State, Clemson, rumoredly interested in leaving the ACC for the Big Ten. And it looks like, Wes, there might be news that could come out this week to indicate that Clemson and Florida State are going to launch some plans to leave. Now, we've talked about this before. We know the contract. It is in place for every single one of these ACC programs for them to be a part of the conference until 2036. What are some of the information that you have researched on both of these teams possibly leaving the beloved ACC? Yeah, I saw last night uh, there's a big rumor uh, about Clemson and Florida State possibly announcing as early as today uh, that they are going to leave for the Big Ten. Uh, There are rumors swirling, strong rumors about that. Then I've read that Florida State, you know, the buyout is going to be $300 million, and they've said that they'll do uh, 10 payments of $30 million to be able to get out of it because allegedly looking at the big picture and saying that they're going to get paid double uh, whatever they would have to pay the ACC to leave. And so there's just a lot going on right now. They're saying that uh, also the Big Ten is rumored to be adding Oregon, Washington, Clemson, and Florida State uh, this week. So, man, some news could drop any day now. How confident are you that this is actually going to happen? I'm pretty confident. I, I When I saw it last night, I was like, man, I, I think that this is something that's going to go down. Um, it's just been too much smoke, and I always believe the, where there's smoke, there's going to be some fire for sure, and I think that just with, with stuff Fire! Coming and, 
uh, all the stuff you're hearing about how there's strong rumors and you're starting to get certain days put on it, like what they're saying, something could be announced today or this week, then I'm like, all right, man, this sounds like it could be something that's about to go down. I just don't know where the validity is, though, right now. Uh-huh. I just, I'm, I'm looking for it. I can't really find that, oh, wait, now we really need to worry because of such of the big financial obstacles that each of these teams are going to have to go through. I know Florida State wants out. Like, I get well, that. That's, and that's what they were saying, that Florida State has already devised a plan how they're going to do this. Well, I need to see it before I believe it, to be honest. Yeah. Because we I'm did with this, you. I hope so. We did this with the Magnificent Seven, right? And then it was a, a bunch to do about nothing. And that actually had some real ground. That actually had some real publications taking that storyline and trying to figure out if there was any news here. And then eventually there wasn't. And so now with this contract, I mean, there are lots of obstacles that you have to go over in order to leave the conference as it currently stands. But I just can't believe that this is going to happen this week for either one of these schools. I did want to play one of these sound bites here. We did have John Skipper, former head of ESPN, discussing the ACC and the Pac-12 and how there should be a merger or the ACC should at least go get Stanford, a West Coast team, another one that we mentioned yesterday. Play the soundbite, Fitty. What I think the ACC should do is go get eight teams out of the Pac-12 and form the APCC, the Atlantic Pacific College Conference, uh, and that would increase take their footprint to include all of the West Coast. Those schools would not have to travel that often to play, and because the ACC network would be expanding its footprint, there would be more money available. And I think you could force a renegotiation because the Pac-12 is out of contract or will be, uh, that to me is the is a route to go. If they don't go there, I'd go get Stanford. I'd go add Stanford, add the state of California. It brings a lot more money in uh, and use that. All right, so that's John Skipper from the On the Beat podcast, by the way. It's like former head of ESPN. I don't think it's going to be that one. Anyways, just wanted to clear that one up. What do you make of that soundbite, and what do you make of some more of your thoughts on this potentially happening? Yeah, I think the ACC does need to make some moves. I think it would be cool for them to go get some Pac-12 teams, especially if they were able to land Oregon and Washington. The travel would be crazy, but it would be exciting to have uh, some of those football games on the slate. We'll see, like I said, the, the sources – uh, that are coming out about this and saying all these things. I hope, just like you, that this is all cap, as they say. None of this happens and that the ACC goes along as it is now. I uh, don't want to see either of these teams leave. And so I think that uh, hopefully the commissioner can go and get something done and add some more teams and get some more bread from somewhere. More money, that is. Bread, I'm saying that too for those who don't know. And so the ACC can just uh, get to going with business and not have to worry about these rumors that come out, it seems like, every other month. The only thing that made me kind of buy into it was that they had some, you know, explicit time frames on it as far as just announcements maybe today or this week they're going to do this. Before, it was just kind of conjecture in a broad scope. Like, oh, this this is going to happen at some point where I got some more, you know, just timeline put on it. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm, I'm trying to find something that shows that it's real valid. That I mean, I know Athlon Sports has something where it says the Big Ten rumored to be adding four prominent schools this week. That came out on July 30th, and among the schools mentioned were a couple of Pac-12, USC, UCLA, in the mix of potentially, but the real schools they're mentioning are Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, and Washington, but I just can't find any reasoning as much as to why, besides they want to leave, but we've already gone through this. This is something we've already gone through with the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Now, speaking of the Pac-12, it does not look like the Pac-12 
is in a very good spot right now. Not at all. We can all point to the ACC if you want to, but Jim Phillips at least does have a deal in plan right now to bring them up for the next decade or so and that the schools are going to have to abide by that plan. Pac-12, they might be losing a couple of schools and we've already seen them lose Colorado as the Colorado Buffaloes are going to now to uh, the Big 12. Here's Paul Feinbaum talking about the Pac-12 and how, well, it's no longer a Power 5 school. The bigger story is what happens to the Pac-12. It's already a challenged league, losing USC next year to the Big Ten and UCLA. But with this departure, I think you have to honestly look at the Pac-12 no longer as a Power Five conference. And I'm talking about in 24. I mean, it's a train wreck. A new commissioner has come in, and quite frankly, he hasn't done much more than the old commissioner who was defrocked. Uh, you, you lo- you're losing your biggest name in USC, and now, moving forward, you're losing your biggest star in Deion Sanders. Uh, this league is, is slowly coming undone. It might as well just be pushed off into the Pacific because uh, it is it is no longer moving forward a relevant conference in college football. <laughs> oh, there's SEC Paul Feinbaum saying, don't even allow them to be a part of the continental U.S. Just push them off immediately <laughs> into the ocean because they are bleeding schools and bleeding prominent ones at that. What did you make of his soundbite? Yeah, I think it made a lot of sense, to be frank with you, because with USC gone now, uh, Oregon still sitting there as well, and a couple of other schools of note, as he said, their biggest star, Deion Sanders, that they were depending on also to bring a lot of cachet to that league. They are leaving now. So, yeah, the Pac-12 is in dire straits. Oregon and uh, Washington, they know it's going to be in their best interest to get with the program and get into another conference ASAP. So, it's not looking good out there on the West Coast. Well, and just looking at some more write-ups here, David Hale has been on this story quite a bit. ESPN's David Hale, of course, a colleague of his is Andrea Adelson, who we've had on the show for a long time and many times, I should say. And we know that Florida State has been the most unhappy of any of the schools in the ACC. At least they've been the most vocal about it. But the problem, as we've talked about, is any school that wants out of the conference and wants to duck out of this 2024-25 year, they'd have to notify the league in writing by August 15th. We're talking about two weeks' worth of time. And so you are right. If there is going to be any ACC movement from a team leaving the conference, then it is going to have to come down in writing within the next couple of weeks, which means it's possible that it could happen this week if such a thing were to occur. But, of course, you have to believe in that kind of thing occurring. And if it does, then we can have that conversation from there talking about the impact of the conference. I know that they are going to be looking out west, and that's going to be the weirdness. Have we all just kind of resigned to the fact that every one of these conferences are going to look real weird geographically? Because when we did, you know, Maryland leaves for the Big Ten, it's like, okay, that's a stretch. But there's not going to be, I mean, you quite literally can't have a bigger stretch geographically than going to get Washington to be a part of the ACC than I guess the SEC going after Washington, the ACC going after any school in California like Stanford. I mean, you you have to go across the country as as close to its furthest point as possible. That's going to seem so weird. Now we're just kind of resigned to the fact that this is going to be the thing that happens as we see all this realignment again. Yeah, and so the thing is, though, as a fan, I, I can't front. It's going to be great. Now, it is annoying that it could come down to just being two major conferences and that's it. But some of the matchups that you're going to get are going to be phenomenal. I mean, it is going to be crazy for the kids, though, to have to travel cross-country during the week. I mean, picture North Carolina going across 
the country on a Tuesday night to play Oregon. That is a lot of travel. So you have a lot of logistics to go with that when you talk about schoolwork and things that are going to have to get done and the days that you're going to have to uh, set aside to be able to make up for some of that because of the travel and things of that nature. But, man, this is just wild. And I think this is where, in my opinion, NIL is feeling is making its biggest impact on the sport to me because these schools are looking for more money because they've got to pay the players that they have on campus and they have to pay the recruits that they want to get potentially. And I think that's why you are hearing the rumors about a Clemson and a Florida State because they want to be able to hang with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world and some of the other schools. And so they need the money to be able to get the recruits. Let's move on to the guys that are making big money in the professional leagues. Carolina continuing training camp. Day two of pads is today after we were there yesterday talking about people putting on the pads for the first time this offseason. Bryce Young and one certain receiver seem to be developing a chemistry. Is that receiver in the running to be wide receiver one this upcoming season? Let's get to that coming up next. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks for hopping on with us. As always, you can share your thoughts, your comments. 704-570-9610. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers side of things. And we got some updates coming from the second day of pads at training camp. Here are a couple of the tweets from Joe Person, from Carla Gebhardt, all sorts of people covering the Carolina Panthers down there in Spartanburg. Bryce Young fitting the ball into some tight spaces in red zone seven on seven drills was three of four with three touchdowns. And the only incompletion was a drop by Spencer Brown. And in those seven on seven drills today, by the way, Bryce Young threw back-to-back touchdown passes to DJ Chark. CJ Henderson, by the way, who tweaked his growing injury yesterday. He's not practicing. Marquise Haynes remains sidelined with a back issue. A couple of the injuries on the defensive side. But the real storyline here is the fact that Bryce Young had back-to-back touchdown passes in seven-on-seven drills earlier this morning. While yesterday, one of the better throws that Bryce Young had was, yes, a throw downfield to DJ Chark. And then we can go back to last week when he had two bombs back to back to DJ Chark. Let's go to Frank Reich talking about that connection and how well it's developed so far. Him speaking about what's going down there in training camp. I am excited that it's happening. You're exactly right, Joe. I mean, it, it seems like they do connect every practice. Uh, you got two really smart players. DJ is a really smart player, very savvy and instinctive. And then he's got the speed to go with it. And I think, you know, Bryce, obviously, same way. And 
you know, I think that that's looked good. We're excited about that. Wes, I think maybe we, even with me really liking DJ Chark and wanting the Panthers to sign him when he was still looking for a home for quite some time, did we just forget that DJ Chark is actually a, a pretty damn good football player? Like, really good wide receiver. Not Pro Bowl every single season, but does have one Pro Bowl nod under his belt. And it's not like he had an amazing quarterback throwing him the ball. Now, if you ask Drew, who is the biggest Gardner Minshew fan that I know, <laughs> he might say that it was the greatest quarterback. It's a weird affinity. Don't ask me why. But it's crazy take Gen Z giant Drew, who loves Gardner Minshew. But DJ Chark has a season where he was able to amass a 1,000 yards. If you go to 2020... He played in 13 games. He had 700 yards and five touchdowns that year. If he plays a 16-game season, he's probably reaching 1,000. And pretty easily, to you know, be a matter of fact. And then if we go back to last year, he played 11 games. But he was banged up. He was missing some of those contests. He had over 500 yards in a passing offense that had a lot of targets to throw to. Clearly not the number one wide receiver with Amon Ross St. Brown breaking out in a huge way last season. Wes, is DJ Chark going to be the best wide receiver on this team after we continue every day to see him be the main guy that Bryce Young is throwing to in red zone? So now it's not even just the deep pass, right? Like seven on seven red zone drills, DJ Chark, back-to-back touchdowns. If you're just rolling with actual team drills, DJ Chark, a couple of downfield passes there. Is he going to be wide receiver number one when it's all said and done? Uh, I would say no, because I think that when you look at it too, they definitely have great chemistry that is building. And so I think that this is a player that's clearly going to be uh, one of those guys, especially when you talk about the, the deep ball connection that they could have. But I, I, you're hearing reports also that Adam Thielen has also been arguably the most impressive receiver while he may not be making the huge splash plays. They're saying that basically from reports that you read that he's unguardable. They say he's getting open often and Bryce Young is finding him as well. So to me, it just looks like that Bryce Young and the Panthers' offense is in a good situation with some receivers that are making good on being the bargain uh, free agents that they were billed to be. And these guys look like they may overperform instead of underperform. But you love what you're seeing from DJ Chark. So far, the size that's there, the speed, he looks like he's healthy. So things are looking up, though, for Chark. It certainly is. And if you look at the separation he's able to create, I was f- trying to figure out if this was something that was always a part of his game. And the first thing you click on when you search in Google DJ Chark separation, there's a Reddit thread that says 538 ranks DJ Chark as the best receiver in the NFL, separating on deep passes measured from 2017 to 2019. I, if, I think that's probably the biggest quality to look to look for. For a rookie QB, right? Like, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Rookie QB coming into the NFL, looking for the open guy. If there aren't many wide receivers becoming more open than DJ Chark, well, guess who's going to get the targets more? Guess who's going to get the ball thrown their way more? Whatever route you're running. Whether it's 7-on-7, seven seven, whether it's inside the 20-yard line, whether if you got a whole field to work with. It's just, it's funny to me that DJ Chark is someone that we both liked. The contract's great. I mean, you're only on a one-year deal. The only reason you might not like it, honestly, is if you wanted to bring him in long-term. If you're worried about him having a contract year and then signing for bigger money elsewhere. So maybe that's one reason why you like it. I'm I'm falling on the hype train, man. And I always really like DJ Chark anyway. 
But if you just start to dig a little bit deeper into what he's been able to do when he is on the football field, I mean, look at last year when he was on, man, like Jared Goff, what was the first game back in the last five games of the season? It was a touchdown pass, you know, getting 100 yards. I think had a good game with Carolina, if I'm not against Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 108 yards on four receptions. Wes, honestly, like, let's just keep it simple. I think DJ Chark can just flat out ball. And I think that's why, chemistry or not, hell, if you're getting more separation against some of these guys, maybe we just need to look a lot more into him and think, you know, this dude could actually have a pretty nice contract season. He could end up doing that for sure. I'm going to give a little bit of calls to Pauls. I mean, regardless, you know, we did talk about some of the injuries, 500 yards uh, last year, 154 the year before that, obviously injured, and then 706. So he has one 1,000-yard season to his name, and that was at 1,008 yards. On 73 catches. So, yeah, I I do think that he's going to serve the Panthers well at this point um, in his career. I don't know that I would, you know, label him a flat-out baller, but I do think that he's going to be a good, serviceable wideout for Bryce Young at this point. And we'll see, man. I mean, Bryce Young could be the type of quarterback to elevate receivers in this offense. Uh, and DJ Chalk could be one of those guys that he takes to another level. Well, and I think also, too, it's not like you're working with someone that's real old. You know, he's 26 right now. Yeah. So it's not like he's going to be 30. you got a couple more years before he's going to reach the back half. <clears throat> Excuse me. And especially with Adam Thielen being that guy. Thielen, who has a great resume. I mean, especially after a couple of seasons of finding his way in the NFL, coming out as an undrafted guy, but real fast. And then an excellent route runner. Kirk Cousins had Adam Thielen as one of his favorite targets for sure. And now he's past 30, but can still really help as a possession receiver. So Adam Thielen is still your number one answer as the guy who's going to be the top receiving prospect at the end of this upcoming season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was the first guy that they went after. I feel like that he was a priority for them to go out there and get him from early camp reports and saying he's getting open quickly, impressive first step. So that's still there. That's important. And said he has a complete understanding of Carolina's route concept. So this is the guy that's getting out there that knows what to do. That's going to be a dependable target because for quarterback like Bryce Young, when you talk about the uh, processing that he has, that's one of the biggest things I know he will value in a wide receiver is dependability. And he can look up and know that 19 is going to run that route and he's going to get there. Like I said, he doesn't have to be a 4-3 burner to be a guy that's going to uh, be effective in this offense. I think that, uh, you know, he's just a guy not last year, number three in total route wins was Adam Thielen in the NFL uh, when you check out playerprofiler.com. It's also so close to the line of scrimmage, though, I believe those route wins are. I think Bill Barnwell released an advanced stat on ESPN discussing how the average yards mm-hmm. per depth of target weren't anything. Like, they were towards the bottom, which isn't to say that that's a bad thing. It's just to say, I don't know what kind of role Adam Thielen is going to have outside of catching the ball inside 10 yards up from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and he's got a good uh, win rate versus man. He's, he's 29th as well, so um, and his route win rate is number 15 so we'll see but right now in camp he looks to be impressive and as I said Chark this is another guy that as we just talked about is doing his thing as well so it looks like Bryce has got him a good duo of wide receivers and and honestly maybe we're micromanaging the wide receiver debate and in reality we should be walking away with hey maybe we'll just have a good wide receiver room this year how about that Terrace Mm -hmm. Marshall Jr. a little quiet so that's interesting. Also, same thing with Jonathan Mingo. Yeah. We talked about the rookies not being as involved. We know the tight ends are going to be involved. Frank Reich is telling you as much. Hayden Hurst, while, I mean, just a solid tight end, 
could be more involved than he was in Cincinnati's offense last year because he's not going to be your number one or number two option in an offense that features Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. So they're going to be looking for the outside quite a bit. Even Tyler Boyd is a really good wide receiver uh, lining up in the slot. And we know that you're expected, even Tommy Tremble is talking about two to three receptions or two to three targets at least for him as a backup tight end. And so it looks like Bryce Young is going to be okay throwing the football to some talented guys on this roster. Salesman wrote in on the text line, 704-570-9610. Is Chark better than expected, or is our cornerback depth straight booty? He said said ass, but I don't know. It just like straight ass feels weird. But anyways, I look, maybe, but we've heard that C.J. Henderson went on the field, had actually been playing pretty well. We heard Keith Taylor went on the field, actually playing pretty well. Dante Jackson, he's back in the action. And J.C. Horn is out there healthy. So if the depth, granted it wasn't good last year, but if they're playing better, Wes, and you also have your top two guys healthy and available, that's a good sign. And even if they're not playing well, D.J. Chark, at least in the offseason, he's balling as we talk about it right now. So he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do if those guys aren't up to par. He's supposed to be smoking them, and that's exactly what he's doing. Matt in Greensboro texted and also said, think Chark could have a Ted Ginn-type season. Might not have huge yardage numbers, but will have 10-plus touchdowns. What kind of role do you expect with some of these guys? I know we've talked a lot about DJ Chark, but we also compared him to Terrace Marshall as the deep threat. All right, so then we were thinking, okay, maybe it's from Chark to TMJ. Now it looks like Chark might be the guy again with this roller coaster happening. He's the guy going downfield. No, it's this wide receiver that they brought in in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to depend on how aggressive the Panthers want to be on offense. And from all accounts, you've heard that they feel like they can even go beyond what the what the playbook already is with Bryce Young at quarterback. So uh, I think they're going to utilize Chark's deep ball ability. They're going to utilize that 6-4 size to get those 50-50 balls. And I think Adam Thielen is just going to make his bones, you know, on the – uh, on the hashes and, and working over the middle and being a possession-wide receiver. So I think that they're going to complement each other very well. Then you've got TMJ that could come in and, and be that deep route guy, and Mingo's going to be able to uh, learn as well from all of these guys. So I think they all complement each other uh, in different ways, and so I think it's going to come down to how aggressive does Carolina want to be when you start to think about what type of numbers that they could put up, what type of situations are they going to be in? Are the Panthers going to be, I think it starts with how effective they're going to be running it. And if they're able to do that, how much are they going to spoon feed Bryce Young once the schedule starts and they're going against real defenses? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all this is spread out. 704-570-9610. We've been giving you some numbers here, so allow me to end this segment with a few more numbers for you on DJ Chark. Over the past four seasons, Chark's 33 receptions on passes thrown 15-plus yards downfield ranked tied for 14th among wide receivers and his 11 touchdown receptions on such passes tied for eighth. That all, despite him hardly playing in 2021 due to injury, I think only accumulated just four games. So when you miss a whole season and you're still towards the top, top 10 in some of those categories, being the deep threat in the NFL, this is what I'm excited about to add Bryce Young. Because I think so much of the time, you're scared to let your young QB really turn it loose You don't want him to have a turnover, and then you don't want him to play scared because he's seeing ghosts a la Sam Darnold in primetime football. And so you just try to keep it real confined. Hey, we'll be real creative. We'll bring you a lot of eye candy. We'll bring guys in motion. You hand the football, whatever. 
Nah, man, it looks like Bryce Young could throw that thing deep and have some separation with TJ Chark and Terrace Marshall. It's an interesting concept. We all think we're all so scared of our young QB because you don't want to break them. But it seems like another shrewd move this team has made in the offseason is to get guys that not only can be possession receivers or do the LaVisca, Jonathan Mingo, do the Debo Samuel light roll type thing, but also if you want to attack downfield, you could argue that's the most important time to get separation. And it looks like whether it's a 50-50 ball going to Terrace Marshall on a go route, which he graded excellently at last year, or whether it's Chark, who's been among the better deep threats since he entered the league, it just points to more of the smart moves that they made this offseason for the Carolina Panthers in every way you'd think of, and, and at least with a lot of these positions. Well, I think Frank Reich, you know, with that quarterback background, I think that went into play as well when they are choosing the type of receivers they want and how they want to run the offense because, again, he's renowned for his offensive prowess. So he's going to know the skill sets of all these guys and utilize them to the best of their ability, and it's as simple as that. And so I think for Bryce Young, he's just the type of guy where he's like, I don't care what type of receivers I have, just give me guys that can get open. It looks like, as they said, Thielen's a guy that's getting open consistently. It looks like DJ Tark is also another guy that's getting open consistently. And then even if he's not, sometimes you can test his athleticism, throwing it up to him and see what he can do. And so I think that plays well into the skill set uh, of one Bryce Young and could make this offense uh, successful, more successful than a lot of people think they could be. I have some other Bryce Young conversation points I want to get to a bit later on in the show, but we skipped every single one of Fitty's flashes yesterday. How did you feel about that, Fitty? It, well, look, the, the first time it was crazy. We had Panthers guests coming aboard and we needed to talk to them and then we wanted to go to break to make sure they were welcomed on the other side of it. But I still feel like you were a little hurt that we did not get to one Fitty Flash. Yeah, I mean, I was shunned out of the show yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I did not talk one single time over the air. I threw it to you once. You, you had maybe a couple of one-liners, but you're right. I, I don't know if there's ever been a time that you've talked less on this show. Yeah, no, you, you got into an open gym and you just forgot about your boy back here holding it down. Hey, did you? I hope everybody got to see us just flat out nail some of those full court football shots. Yeah, man. Go on social media. <laughs> Wes Bryan underscore 72 at Wes and Walker as well. For the first time this week, let's go to the Fitty Flash. It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why? We got a little college football recruiting for you. Oh, the that's Wes's alley. Yeah, the Gamecocks, they, they landed five-star edge Dylan Stewart, who announced his commitment to Shane Beamer in South Carolina over the Ohio State University. Stewart's the number 15 recruit overall in the 24 class. Six-foot-six, 245-pound prospect from Washington, D.C., the number three defensive end in the class. And, Wes, you were talking about it. Uh, during the last break, it's not Spurrier-esque, but Beamer is starting to get some high-end talent down there in Columbia. It's a big reason why that fan base is excited about the future of that program. Yeah, they should be. I mean, anytime you can get big recruits like this, and I mean, you look at uh, the fact that I believe they're up to seven ESPN 300 recruits, and then they have uh, seven four-stars, or I believe eight according to 247 and now Dylan Stewart adds to this hey man he is starting to get kind of on those spurrier levels maybe not a Jadavian Clowney and a Marcus Lattimore class is that star-studded but you have to be excited 
about what he's doing down there in South Carolina, getting that talent to compete in the SEC. I heard uh, Mac and Bone talking about the state of the Carolinas regarding college football, and it seems to be in pretty good hands. Think about all of the major universities and their coaches right now. You go to South Carolina, Shane Beamer seems to be building something strong in Columbia. You also have Dabo Sweeney, who is among the top five coaches at least in the entire landscape. Here you have Mike Elko, Mac Brown, Dave Clawson, and Dave Doran. It's pretty impressive. Some of the coaches that you have in the big-time landscape of college football within the Carolina. Yeah, and he's building this thing the right way. When you look at this 2024 class, some of the guys that are at the top of the class, like I said, you get the pass rushing and Dylan Stewart. You got a couple of offensive tackles in there. You got a four-star quarterback. So, Gang Coxley, man, they're out there getting it done. All right, I'm sorry to 980. I like the Fitty theme song. Y'all can't be skipping this segment, LOL. You're totally right. I apologize to 980 and everybody else that wants to hear Adam Jackson. We have plenty more to get to. It's the Campus Corner. Coming up next, Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I have to apologize because I lied to you. We got the campus corner coming up in the one o'clock hour. We can focus on it a little bit more with so many different college football topics to get to. But instead, I want to go and welcome Kingsley Crown Braggs, a fantastic nickname. Crown Braggs to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. If you don't know, it's his third season with Hornets Venom GT associated with the Charlotte Hornets. Crown, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. How'd you get the nickname? I got to ask before we start to dive in into your uh, latest win. Uh, it's just all, it's always been a play like on my first name, um, Kingsley. You know, so my nickname is King. Well, I feel um, so kind of just stuck with me. Well, I feel like you can't ever uh, leave the Queen City now because you have that nickname, and so hopefully you're embracing your role once again. Your third season with Hornets Venom GT. For those that don't know. Kingsley Crown Braggs won the turn, an in-season tournament held June 20th to July 22nd. So it's two weeks of remote group play, one week of remote bracket play, and then one week of in-person bracket play. And you defeated the number two team in the West. What did this win mean for you, Crown? Uh, you know, it was just great for us to uh, come back after a down season. And, you know, we won this tournament two years ago. So for us to have a be the first uh, ever team to win it twice, you know, just a, a great feeling. Um, you know, I strive to, to come in and compete in these type of moments. So for us to get the job done was just a, a great feeling. 
How much have you grown as a player in the last couple of seasons after you mentioned you had a down year? Here you are winning a big tournament like this. How much have you grown in what area specifically do you think you've grown? Um, just coming in season four as a rookie amongst veterans, I think I learned how to lead. You know, a lot of our players left after we uh, had such a great season in season four. So I became, you know, just kind of got in, into that leadership role and learning under West of how to, you know, communicate and just lead by example. So I grew as a player and I think I grew as a leader over the last uh, two years. Kingsley, I got to say, man, first of all, big shout out to you. And I'm very, very jealous uh, of your generation <laughs> that, that, that you guys get to do this uh, pretty much for a living, so to speak. I said if I was in high school today or college, this is definitely something that I would be doing uh, as well as playing sports. So tell us uh, how you got into this. And I saw that for Venom GT, I've seen uh, the ads before for the combine. So what's the process like making this team and, and what was that conversation like when you decided, Hey, I'm going to pursue this. Oh uh, yeah. So the combine was uh, a lot different um, a couple of years ago. Now there are specific team sponsored tournaments where GMs and coaches and scouts are able to analyze players competing uh, for draft eligibility. Um, yeah. I, 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 during the time three years ago, you know, I actually <laughs> I'm a little older, so I was working corporate, but I've always been really, really good at 2K. And someone said, you know, you might as well just go for something that you love and give it a chance. And, you know, everything worked out. You know, Wes took a chance on me uh, and drafted me in the first round, and I've been here ever since. So how do you guys figure out, because I've watched these tournaments as well, and it's five on five and everybody controls a player. How do you guys figure out the chemistry when you play amongst each other? Who's going to take the shots? Who's the go-to guy? How do you guys <laughs> figure all that out? Um, so the season where it's set up, we have like a huge, like a boot camp of like a month of just basically scrimming, like you know having like free free runs against other teams and just getting to know each other and what skill sets look like. So like you know you just start to build that rapport with each other and know what spots to hit each other in and and what uh, guys' strengths and weaknesses are. You kind of just kind of gel all that together and get ready for the season. So then when you get into these types of tournaments, uh, and I've watched many Madden tournaments and things of that nature, and I know the different things that they do because guys have camps and they work together and they kind of try to simulate what the opponent's going to do. So what's it like you scouting and getting ready for a tournament like this with so much on the line? Uh, there's tons of film work. You know, we have a bracket, so we, we are prepared to know. You know, we, we basically know who will play each round if we advance. And we just do a bunch of homework, you know. Uh, everybody goes home individually, kind of gets in that film room, and then we come to, a, like, a collective meeting and, you know, just throw ideas at each other and, and kind of try to figure out a game plan and, and what our roles are going to be in that uh, respective game plan so that everybody feels comfortable and prepared. I think we did a great job of that in the turn. That's Kingsley Crown Braggs joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, his third season with Hornets Venom GT. And crowd, I don't know if I'm reading this right. You got to correct me on this. It says here that you shot 89% from the field, 64 of 72 in a three-game finals of the turn, including 14 points, 17 rebounds, four assists in game three. How in the world do you shoot 90% from the field? Like, are your teammates telling you that you should shoot more? <laughs> My point guard is uh, extremely dynamic and really hard to guard, and we have a, a great chemistry, so... A lot of times I'm just slipping to the rim and making sure my timing is there. You know, I'm, I'm basically wide open. So um, I'm a very efficient player because I, I kind of pick my spots and 
yeah, my team definitely tells me to be aggressive and, and keep attacking as long as I'm this efficient. So um, I think, you know, my teammates just have a good knack of finding me in great spots and obviously, you know, makes it easy for me. Uh, yeah, you talk about your point guard, Antoine Love. He was named MVP of the turn. What makes him so dynamic? Uh, I think his efficiency and, you know, just the way he moves, uh, I think he doesn't ever move his, his sticks in the wrong manner. His player is always, you know, just a step ahead of everybody else's and his basketball IQ. You know, we've actually been playing together um, on the retail mode of the game for over five years. So when he came in, we kind of didn't lose a step. I know exactly what he wants to do, and he kind of knows my game to a T as well. So we really clicked together, and uh, he's just come in and kind of embraced his role as, like, you know, that number one guy. And, and it takes a lot of guts to come in as a, a ad drop player and, you know, have such a big stain on the league this fast. Kingsley Crown Braggs joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, uh, playing for Hornets Venom GT, a 2K league, and the NBA 2K league playoffs are going to be starting tomorrow. Kingsley, how are you feeling about the playoffs starting up? I feel great. Um, you know, last, three years ago we came in as second seed and we couldn't get the job done, but I feel like this this time around we know, you know, we're looking for redemption. You know, our first championship to bring back to the organization, you know, it would be a pleasure for me to do that. You know, I, I strive to be a lifelong Hornet, you know, in this, in my career. And I just would love to bless the organization with, with a win. Now, I've also, like I said, checked out these 2K tournaments, as I said. When you guys have your players out there on the floor, your virtual players, how does that work? Because I know 2K has the, the story mode that you go through and you build a player, which is a very popular thing on the game so is everybody's player like a 99 or how does that figure into how the players are virtually as far as ratings and things of that nature so yes the players are all the same rating but the uh the 2k league goes into the offseason before they release the actual professional mode that they uh develop themselves which is a little different from retail with preset builds that they think um will make the gameplay and the meta of the game very competitive so it's a little different from us actually going in on retail and making our own player exactly how you want it. But once you figure out, you know, what the builds are, you know, you kind of get comfortable just like you would on retail with your with your player. And then do you go through when you get those builds and then you have to do different things to get their ratings up? Like where does it start? And then do you have to do different things to get their rating up, to get it higher and higher? No, um, unlike retail, there's no like mode where you have to – train your player. These players are, are fully ready, uh, equipped with badges and everything already for us to go in and use. Um, there are monthly uh, patches during the season where the developers might change a couple things with the builds, uh, might update speeds or something like that, but not, not too many uh, drastic changes throughout the season. The NBA 2K League playoffs start tomorrow. There's a best of five NBA 2K League finals taking place Saturday, beginning at 3.15, and all games air live on NBA 2K League's Twitch and YouTube channels. Hornets Venom GT will have live watch parties as well on the team's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Hornets Venom GT. Again, that's twitch.tv slash Hornets Venom GT. Awesome stuff from Kingsley Crown Braggs. Kingsley, good luck in the playoffs, man. Great job so far. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for your support. Absolutely. That's awesome stuff, man. That was really cool, getting to talk with somebody so involved with esports. 90%? Are you bleeping kidding me? 90%? Like, okay, you can toss it out to its video game, but 2K is hard. 
especially when it everybody's is. right the same. Like the point guard, as I mentioned, Antoine Love, named MVP of that po- of that tournament. So the real deal that you have with Venom GT. But Kingsley, a first round pick, shooting ninety percent, also doing a little bit of everything, averaging like thirteen points in this tournament. Man, it looks that somebody tweeted out. I don't want to throw shade on the Hornets team overall, but it's like, well, this is the only Hornets team that can make the playoffs. But it seems like they're looking beyond the playoffs. Wes, trying to make a deep run. That was cool. Man, that's so cool. I have so many more questions because I have watched some of the 2K tournaments, and now this gives me even more uh, incentive to do so because I want to see them go uh, all the way. But I love watching sweet. video game tournaments on TV. You get them for pretty much all of the major sports now. Still mainly a, a Madden tournament watching guy, but you got NHL, NBA, all that. So go Venom. Yeah, all the gamers, all the esports enthusiasts, you can check that interview out once again on our website, WFNZ.com. Just click the Wes and Walker tab. Plenty more to come on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.